Have friends that when you're not in the room, they're speaking highly of you. And that's how I think, that's what I think about the Power Beacons. Because I know I'm in rooms speaking about my fellow Power Beacons and people tell me, oh, so-and-so is talking about you, you know, about how great this or that, and it's a Power Beacon. So we are beacons of power for each other. You know, it's so important to have people in your life like that. And I'm really grateful to be part of the group. Welcome to the Performance Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Calandrino. After over a decade, now decade and a half of uh, providing expert real estate advice to entrepreneurs and investors, I've met some influential and impactful individuals along the way. Today I have with me Beth Azor, and I don't want to mess anything up. So Beth is the founder and principal of Azor Advisory Services in its South Florida's premier retail real estate management development and commercial real estate education firm. Long history of buying, selling, leasing, developing, redeveloping, and managing her own retail real estate projects. You've amassed three decades now worth of personal case studies, testimonials, and aha moments. And she's also into having commercial real estate courses that uh, helps to propel her clients into success. She's a fellow power beacon, and which is an empowering force of women founders and executive leaders and ensuring safety for women in the workplace and supporting the growing success of women in the industry. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I wanted to, we're going to be having this drop on Valentine's Day. What's not to love? And I'm in two, red. Two amazing ladies. Red's normally like my color, but this happens to be my favorite hoodie. So you have the 2024 Women's Real Estate Investment Summit coming up. Tell us a little bit about how this all came to fruition. This is the fourth year and maybe a little bit about your story because it probably ties into that as well. Sure. So I've been investing since 1992. So I've been in the industry for 38 years and I had the opportunity to invest as a limited partner with my boss when I was at a firm in Miami. And with him, I was able to invest seven times in shopping centers, which is what my specialty is. And then in 2004, I left that firm started my own advisory company mm. with the goal of buying my own assets and becoming my own general partner, GP. Um, it's hard. It's a lot easier being an LP. But um, my goal was to do buy one deal every two years. And I've pretty much done that. I've been sticking with my goals, buying deals, selling deals. Um, it's, it's fun. Uh, it's hard. It's challenging, uh, it's exciting, all of those things. So I also, because I've hired and trained a lot of retail leasing agents in my career, first for my firm, and then when I left my firm, other firms called and said, you've been teaching leasing agents how to fill vacancies, come teach our leasing agents. Started understanding and recognizing and hearing from them that they were not getting opportunities that I got to invest. Mm. And so I was on a mission to get leasing agents to invest. And I was doing that for a couple of years. And just if I was buying a deal, I would figure out a way to let them come in at a lower amount because I just felt like just for 
for the fact that my boss gave me the opportunity when I was 32, the minute you'd have your first taste in investing and you learn about investing, you do a better job saving for future investing. So I wanted to help leasing agents because they were, they're my people. But then I found out that most of the leasing agents I would offer the opportunity to, really only the men took advantage of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I didn't under, I didn't really realize it. And then I kind of realized it. And then I thought, what's up with this? And so I started investigating and I found a stat that said of all of the commercial real estate investors in the U.S., only 3% were women. And it went further to say that of those 3%, were women who inherited real estate or were spouses of men who bought real estate. So really, I only fit in the 1.5% category. (laughs) So so that kind of took me by surprise. I thought it was deplorable. And I said, I have to fix this or I have to do something to help this. So I started interviewing the women and I said, well, why are you not investing? Like this is kind of, and Amy, you know, we're, we have like insider yeah. trading, right? Like we, you know, I have girlfriends or women in the industry who, you know, represent a national coffee company, find the site for a national coffee company, and then give both of those things to a male developer. And mm-hmm. so I, so I started interviewing the women saying, why are you not investing? And at first they said, well, we don't have millions to invest. I go, well, you don't need millions. Sometimes right. you can get in a limited partnership for as small as 25000 Oh, really? And then I, they said, well, it's scary. I said, absolutely, it's scary, but are you in, and, and it's complicated and we're afraid of risk. And I said, well, do you invest now? And they say, yes, we invest now. I go, well, where do you invest? Well, the stock market. Well, I don't know about you, but my Netflix stock that dropped 80% last year, that was scary, that was risky, and that was complicated. So then they said, well, and this was kind of really the caveat and the the um, instrumental idea about starting the conferences. They said, we don't know any other women doing it, which obviously huh. plays into the 3%. Of course, they don't have anyone in their circles that are investing in real estate, commercial hmm. real estate. So I said, aha, this is where I can help. So it was during COVID that this all came about because I had all this time on my hands to do all of this research. And I said, I'm going to do a virtual summit where I brought eight women who I knew that invested in all different asset classes. And I interviewed them and we had a hundred women on in a virtual like conference. And I interviewed women and I said, how did you do it? What was your first deal? Were you scared? Was it complicated? Like just putting it all out there. And then we've had two live ones. Our next one is in March. We are 20 tickets away from being sold out, which is awesome. We sold out of sponsorships and I'm not teaching women. So people go, oh, you're teaching women how to buy real. I'm not teaching women because Really, I could only teach them in shopping centers because I don't know anything about hotels and self-storage and land and uh, multifamily. So what I'm doing is putting women on stage to share their stories. So I hope I inspire women to think, hey, maybe because most of the women in the audience you've been there are in real estate. So maybe I should take what I do for a living and take it to the next level and help grow my family's wealth. So my goal is to inspire women to think about 
maybe I should, you know, the next time I get a big commission check, maybe instead of putting it in the stock market, maybe I should think, put it in an investment account. So when mm. an opportunity comes my way, I have money to invest. It's interesting that fear is the number one thing holding people back. But then when you are around other people doing it, you start to get this confidence and this energy. And I found having this podcast now be two years very soon is that when you're around like-minded people, you know, that can really help to propel you forward. And so I, I just feel like I've only been to one of the conferences, but it's magical. It's like there's something floating in the air because you know, everybody is now like open-minded to it and, you know, the fear kind of starts, you know, dissipates and you start to have this momentum. And it is interesting. It's, uh, you know, I have a friend of mine that she just bought, uh, I helped her buy a property on Main Street in Bartow, Florida, if you ever heard of that. And now she's like, oh, I might want to do like another one. And she's like, but, but she would have like not been open to it if I hadn't, you know, done different real estate deals. Well, and she she did have some family that did it and, and inherited, but it was her first that she did on her own. So I think that's great. Do you have any particular speakers or asset classes that are a little different than this year? So we have, I have Dr. Erin Andrews. She owns thousands of multiple uh, multifamily units. She started as mm -hmm. a chiropractor and then said, and she was a single mom. Her story is going to be amazing. I can't wait. And thousands of units and women and yes. women and men invest with her. So she's our luncheon mm -hmm. speaker. And then I have Ramola Matwani. So we have this woman's story is amazing. Her two sons are like the Mark Cubans of South Florida. Mm. And she, she's their mother. And she and her husband bought Fort Lauderdale motels. And then he passed away. And she was a single mom raising two boys in middle school. And they ended up going to, I, you know, like MIT and Harvard. And now they've come back to South Florida and they're building the largest projects ever. And she is our first speaker right after I open the conference. I cannot wait to speak to her and hear her story about, you know, they, they came from India, they bought a motel in Fort Lauderdale. Then Fort Lauderdale says, we're not going to do spring break. And they bought the motels because of Fort Lauderdale spring break. And then her husband passes away. And now she owns, I think, one or two motels. And then they built this company. And she's sending her kids to these unbelievable schools and they come back home and she's still, you know, the president of Mary Mac Ventures, which is a commercial real estate investment and development company. I, I, I can't wait. And there's, I've got, I think, total of 13 speakers. So uh, we interview speakers and then in the afternoon and the, the next morning we have breakout rooms because what I heard from the audience is they loved being inspired, but they had more questions. So could we do breakout rooms where if you're into multifamily, you go into a room where the multifamily person now breaks down a deal. This is how I underwrote the deal. This is how I raised the money for the deal. And then the, and then the afternoon of day two for 50 of us, the VIPs, we get on a bus and we're going to drive by three of my assets and three multifamily assets that I'm a limited partner in. And mm -hmm. we have, we're handing out books, which are actual, the finance, like how we finance the deal, how we raised family and friends. What's the pref? What's the promote? What's the, what's the NOI increase since we bought it? So more, even a further deep dive than just the breakout rooms. 
That's amazing. And, you know, I'm thinking about your first speaker and, you know, you're scared, but like, what about your family if something happens to you and that, you know, she had that opportunity for her and her sons to springboard from when, when her husband passed away. And, you know, I hope the same thing for, for my children. And so I, I just think it's, it's incredible. I was able to, um, I have at least one person coming from Orlando and now that there's the bright line, if there's any tickets left <laughs> by the time this drops, I hope some more to come. So I'm, I, I think that'll actually be my first bright line trip down there. So Amazing. I think I'm so, going to take the bright line to retail live. A bunch of us are going to do that from South Florida. Oh, excellent. The connectivity between South Florida and Orlando now, that's amazing. So, and if anyone's listening, that's not in Florida and doesn't know what bright line is, it's a high speed rail. It's like 150 miles an hour. Pretty fast. Faster than the Acela for sure. That's in the Northeast that everybody thinks is so cool. But now we have this that's even cooler. Talk about being a power beacon because, you know, we, I'm a newer power beacon, but, you know, being part of that group of ladies, which is separate from your conference, but at the sub, subset of, of ladies, talk about that and how that's been, you know, powerful for you and other women. Yes. Look, anytime that you can be part of a group that is of like mind, right? So mm -hmm. when we get together, we're friends. We are friendly, mm -hmm. we do business with each other, but more than that, we help each other reach our goals and we yeah. help each other take steps personally and professionally in our lives. And, you know, sometimes women don't support other women. This is the opposite of that, right? This group yes. goes above and beyond supporting. And, and when I talk about the power beacons, what I like to say, and there's a saying, I don't know who said this quote, but have friends that when you're not in the room, they're speaking highly of you. And that's how I think, that's what I think about the power beacons. Because mm -hmm. I know I'm in rooms speaking about my fellow power beacons and people tell me, oh, so-and-so was talking about you, you know, about how great this or that, and it's a power beacon. So we are yeah. beacons of power for each other. And mm -hmm. that's, a you know, it's so important to have people in your life like that. And I'm really grateful to be part of the group. Me too. Me too. And it's uh, interesting that a lot of these threads kind of come together and not having the scarcity mindset. And just because you're successful, that doesn't mean that I can't be successful. There's plenty of opportunities to go around for all of us in just pushing each other to be more successful, not only helps that particular person that you're helping, but also their family. And then often their communities, because, you know, Dali, who's a power beacon says, you know, givers, you know, get And a lot of us, not only are we supporting the team within our companies, if we have, you know, our own companies, a lot of us, these are women founders generally that are part of the power beacon you know, coming back and, you know, helping our, our area communities and all these other things. So it's, it's so much bigger than, you know, just ourselves, you know, or right. helping each other. And, you know, unfortunately, so I'm one of the older members of the group. So I, I got into the business in 86 and unfortunately mm -hmm. the women that, that were of that era and before they did have a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. They did believe that, there's only room for one senior woman person in this firm. 
and it's going to be me and I'm not going to reach down and help out the other women because unfortunately, in, in, in their defense, there were quotas. Okay. We've got one, we've got one female next because there weren't a lot of women, but that should have have nothing to do with our world today. I mean, we're at, I think 36% of females in C-suites in commercial real estate. When I started, I think it was 2%. So I think that we've come a long way. And again, in defense of those women back then, I did not, I was a big, let's get all the women together for lunch every month and let's share what's working for us. I, you know, I wanted to, to share my experiences, you know, my, anything I could to help women thrive in this industry, you know, not, you know, I I didn't mind being a few of all the guys, but I wanted more opportunity (laughs) for women. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I heard someone use the analogy as like, you know, almost like the one woman would get across the, to the castle and then raise up the drawbridge. <laughs> it's like, you figure out how to get around the moat because I got I got across the moat. So good luck to you. I <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I have met, I have a golf group that I'm part of. And one of the ladies said that, you know, there was a lot of assumptiveness too, like back in the day that if you, you got, these privileges, you know, given to you to raise up or these opportunities that there, there was things attached to it. And it was, you know, a tough, a tough time. And thankfully, you know, a lot has that has changed. And, you know, also, you know, I don't want to say like, that's only women, but we have amazing allies too, like Eddie Gonzalez and many other, you know, men in our industry that are like cheering, cheering us on. So, oh, that's amazing. Are you, um, so we talked a lot about the summit. So is there anything else you want to touch on about that or? No, I just, I just, you know, and even if you like, I, I understand, I guess this year we picked spring break. So some of the women that came last year can't come this year, understand. But even if you can't come to the summit, I'd have Mm -hmm. uh, something called the Women Investor Wednesday series. And what that is, is I interview every time I meet a woman that invests, I say, can you come speak on my series? So because I'm just trying to answer the call of we don't see other women doing it. So every time Mm -hmm. I meet someone that's, you know, buying land or self-storage or multifamily. I don't, you know, a sh- Jessica, who is on this week, she bought one shopping center and then she refied out of that and with the money bought a second shopping center. So it doesn't have to be someone with thousands of units because frankly, I like interviewing people that are just starting out their investment journey because that's helping the women that are just starting out thinking about their investment journey. So even if you can't come to the summit, watch in, and and we record these and we put them on my YouTube channel. So just watch the interviews and listen to some of the stories, some of the successes, the obstacles that these women are going through, because it'll help you figure out, you know, what do you want to do in this path? Yeah. It's interesting if someone's just starting out and they see someone that has like a thousand units versus someone who just, you know, is just getting started out. It might be easier to, to relate to the person just starting out and, and foresee that. Although it's still inspiring to see yeah, I mean, someone who's really far along. At the summit. So two years, two, let's see, two years ago, we had Natasha Falcone, who you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. she was on stage with me and she had 42 units. 
And I said, how many are you going to have next year? And she said, 50. And I'm like, 50, you're going to have 100 units. So then fast forward <laughs> to last year, she's in the audience. And I said, you know, where's Natasha? Stand up, Natasha. I said, who remembers from last year with the goal for Natasha? And someone in the audience yelled, 100. And I said, Natasha, how many units do you have now? And she said, 102. And so <laughs> how inspiring is that? And so, so even though I have Dr. Erin speaking about her thousands of units, Natasha's going to come back and talk about how she went from 42 to 100. Because, you know, of the 200 women in the audience, 100 are investors of different sizes. And then 100 are not investing yet are, and are just starting to create the path on the journey. Well, it's interesting if you had asked me, what is it, 2024? Yeah, if you asked me five years ago, I, I bought a building for my business, but just thought that would be, you know, the end of it. I didn't think that then I would end up selling that building, you know, on a whim to go back to Orlando and then end up being able to buy two properties. And I noticed the same thing with my clients. And one of my big missions and one thing that you gave me a lot of clarity on as a friend last year was like, you know, you don't always know what you do. And I realized that my thing is, and my clients have realized too, is that I want to help my clients cross the bridge to investor class. I think it's great for businesses to lease when they first get started to get that proof of concept. But as soon as they get the financials, if it makes sense for them, they should buy owner occupied real estate. And then they can bootstrap that equity into buying other locations or doing investments. And so my big mission is make as many business owners create wealth, not just be in servitude for themselves for the rest of their lives. Now, of course, it's, you know, some will continue to lease, which is good for the investors. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I want to help some of those, you know, cross, cross the bridge that my family has and has, you know, created more security for us. And, we have not only the piggy bank of our business, but then also the asset as well. A hundred percent, right? And, and yeah. with the SBA loans that they have access mm -hmm. to is phenomenal. So yes, I'm a big believer in businesses buying buildings and investing also because, I mean, that's what makes the world go round, I think. Right. Because you don't always have really reasonable landlords or something might get traded and you don't know who, who's going to come in and what's going to happen to your lease or, you know, all those different things. I mean, things. you know, so. I think I remember being at a conference, uh, I'm guessing about six years ago and, you know, it was a retail conference at one of our ICSEs. And, you know, I just, I had learned a stat and there was like a few hundred people in the room. There was a panel and we were talking about acquisitions. And I said, who knows who the number one acquisition company of in the state of Florida was for this past year. So, you know, and, and so people were throwing out this insurance company, this pension fund, you know, this operator, big REITs, right? I go, no, no, and no, it was Publix. Oh. That year was, it's probably 2016, 17, 18. They were the number one acquirer of shopping centers in the state of Florida by 40 to 50% over the next group. Wow. They didn't like paying the, that rent sales tax. <laughs> well, it gives them so much more flexibility though. Like if they decide to don't want that location, then they're not stuck with like a lease necessarily. They could end up selling off the shopping center and it just gives them a lot more flexibility. I've seen a lot of my business owners I represent 
have more opportunities because they're not beholden to, you know, to someone else, they're beholden to themselves. And so that's a good, also, that's a good in between if any, you know, people have like a business before, you know, if they don't want to get something that's a straight investment, it's kind of like a baby step towards that. And then of course, of the two properties, I decided I didn't need both one for each business. I'm renting out the other one now. So yeah, income, <laughs> passive so, income, right? Yeah. Not so passive, right, right. but passive. <laughs> Well, cool. Well, do you have any success stories that come to mind or maybe from from your conference or there's too many to count? <laughs> well, I do like the Natasha story and I like yeah. the Jessica story. The fact that Jessica bought, buys a shopping center, her first ever in Jacksonville, Florida. She lives mm-hmm. in Miami, leases it up, renovates it. She did like a little facade renovation, maybe painting it and then went out canvassed, got new tenants, replaced some of the older yucky tenants, and then was able to go back to her bank and refi, get cash out, and then have money to go buy a second shopping center in Jacksonville. You know, that's phenomenal. This is a woman who's, I think, in her 40s, who, mm-hmm. you know, up until five years ago had not ever done anything like this and right, right. You know, does it outside of her market and then now has two and is looking for more. So I love that story. I love the Natasha story, very being very timid and shy, you know, yeah, maybe 50, like, no way. Like, cause she was buying four like quads and then an eight plex. Uh-huh. And then I think she had 12 and I'm like, you need to buy 30 or 40 or 50. And that's, and then and that's what she did. I mean, I think the last one she bought was 47 units I've invested Uh with her the last three she's done. So if you can do four or eight or 12, you can certainly do 40 or 50. It's the same idea. It's just bigger and it helps you scale bigger. But, you know, and she had a system in place, so it was easier. So so I like those two stories a lot. Another story, and you'll appreciate this because this kind of happened at Lake Tahoe where we spent some time together Uh last year at the Globe Street Women's Awards a woman came up to me. She goes, do you remember me from last year? And I said, um, mm, remind me. <laughs> and she goes, so I came to your conference and I asked you if I could speak on, you know, I'd like to speak. I think she was a lender. She, she worked for a lender okay. and they had sponsored the conference. And she goes, next year, I would like to speak. And I said, well, do you invest? And she goes, no, I go, well, tell me when you invest and then you can speak. <laughs> and so at like, so that was in March. So we're in Lake Tahoe in July and she comes up to me. Do you remember me? And I said, remind me, she goes, I came up to you at your conference. I asked you if I could speak on a panel next year, but you said, well, you know, only if I invested. So I want you to know that my husband and I have bought two buildings since we spoke. In four months? And I, you know, they were small. I think they were like maybe 5,000 each, but who can't, right. You know, again, it's about, they had, I think they bought one and then the next, I think the one next door came available, that seller called them and they said, sure, why not? You know, it's like, you know, when you get a pup, you know, buy, get a puppy, you might as well get the sister. So she, so yeah. So she said, we did it. And so I said, now you can speak, (laughs) but she can't come. So I said, okay, you can, you can come and speak next year, but that she, she said, you gave me a challenge. I went home. Mm-hmm. I told my husband, this is ridiculous. We're making good money and we should be investing our money in the business that we're in every day. Cause I guess her husband's in real estate too. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And, some, and sometimes you almost just like, excuse my language, you need a kick in the ass, like to kind of like tell you what you're like capable because you are just like holding yourself, you know, back and you need 
someone to kind of like push you out there and to, and to do it. I, I think that, that I, I love that one. And then I think that's great with Jessica too. Like I said, and it's cool that she didn't just sell the first property. Instead, she's building a portfolio and extracting the equity to then build more of a portfolio. Right. And you don't have to pay uh, taxes when you refi. Yeah. Like yeah. you do when you sell. It brings me to 10X is easier than 2X. And that's, that was the big game changer for me last year. That's That was my favorite book of all of 2023. Okay. We were all reading it still in Tahoe. I have a new one. Okay. What is the new book of 2024? Die with zero. Die with zero. Hmm. Phenomenal. So I have a friend who I would always yell at him because he'd go on you know trips with his family. Not that many, but when he would go, he'd be on his phone following up. And I'd say, stop. You know, when you're on vacation with your family, it's okay to take some time off. So he called me and goes, so I know you don't need this book because I like to go. When I go on vacation, I like to go on vacation and I can, you know, uh-huh. just Joe, I'm lucky to have a partner that helps me, you know, when I'm gone. But he goes, I know you don't need the book, but I just read this book and it's changed my life. And he had gone out to on a vacation to Italy with his family. It was pretty costly. And he said to his wife, we're not going to do this for a while. And then he read the book and he goes, book it for next year too. So it is, some of the things in this book are amazing, even though I enjoy my life and I am not a penny pincher. I, I want, you know, we, I'm 63, so I'm a lot older than most of you, but I was doing this at 43. I, I feel like put money aside, plan for the future, plan for your kids, but then with the rest of it, have, enjoy life. And it just yeah. talks about things like a trip. It, it says the tri- a trip with your family pays dividends for years. Your family talks about it. You laugh about it. You look at picture. It's not just the money that you spend to go on the trip once. It pays dividends for years to come. That And then another thing is they say the average person who dies is between 80 and 85 or some, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. And he says that, you know, people work, they, they save too much. They save too much. They oversave because they think that they're going to live longer than they do. They think their medical bills are going to be more than they are. And then, so, and then they, and they don't give the money to their kids until they die. And when they die at 80 to 90, their kids are 60. Well, the kids mm-hmm. really don't need the money at 60 anymore, like they would have at 30 and 40. Mm-hmm. So he, it's just, I love the book. I've, I literally bought 10 copies and sent 10 of them out to people I know who need to read the book. You know, I had a really rough fourth quarter and I was thinking about canceling a trip that I just got back from yesterday. And I started to kind of have the fear mindset come in. And, but that's when, you know, it's great to have friends that are like-minded and they're like, no, go, go take the trip, go enjoy yourself. Don't like beat yourself up. And I just got back yesterday and I did not check my emails, but once and where'd you go? Just just a little bit Quebec. So we went to Northern Quebec, North of Quebec city to a place called club med, all inclusive. We had childcare for our kids that are two and four years old and they had fun. My kids are currently being homeschooled and the homeschool teachers like, oh my God, they're like completely different children today. They're talking about it. They're super happy. 
And big thanks to you connecting Josie with my assistant because yesterday she texted me while I'm on the plane, like I'm replenishing your fridge, like going shopping for you because I know everything that you need and prepping it that you get home and you have dinner. So that way I just jumped right into things today. I wasn't like stressed out, got plenty of sleep, but yeah, a really good assistant. And yeah, go ahead and take the trip because I want to go again like next year on this trip. And I think it was because like, I really like let go and like enjoyed it. And I was present and I think it's something you should budget for. Yeah. Like whatever it is, like budget your, your one, two, three trips a year and let go of other stuff. Maybe shop at Aldi's instead of, (laughs) we love Publix, but, (laughs) but do what you need to do to save the money to take the trip. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I have, I was wearing a sweatshirt yesterday. It said, capture moments, not material things. Yeah. But yeah. Moments. So, so important. There's, we, we don't need another thing. We don't need to no, buy no. any more things. Yeah. I don't know how to make it more clear. My daughter's uh, third birthday is coming up and I put on the in- invitation. I always say no gifts, please, but people still bring gifts. I think I'm, I put on there now gifts, not necessary maybe that will make a difference because we don't need anything else. We have each other. So, but uh, yeah, die with zero. I'll make sure my show notes includes that, but well, awesome. This was a great conversation. I think we got to touch on a lot of different things and how do people stay connected with you? What's the best way to reach out to you? So uh, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Beth Azor, the website on Twitter is my email. So they can find me pretty much anywhere. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and thank you to my listeners and uh, please continue to tune in. And this is Amy Calendrino signing off.